0: I'm still hope I'm I'm still uh hoping that um, we like that basically we can I actually completely forgot what I was about to say. Let's keep it going.
1: <laughs> Welcome to Bench Reactions, an NBA podcast brought to you by Benjels. Round one versus Nichols, go Denison. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Get it through your skill Get it through your skill uh,
1: I'm your host <laughs> I'm your host, Patrick Hervey And I'm joined today by the Austin Reeves To my D'Angelo Russell Zach Burnham, Dan Lyons, and Jason Lamprecht What's going on, dudes? dudes?
2: Wait, we're all Austin Reeves?
1: <laughs> yeah, collective, collectively Billy Kobe, all if three
2: Billy Kobe
0: I like how... Uh, because of recent events, you made yourself D'Angelo Russell about a week ago. I feel like you would have been Austin Reed. But- <laughs> I would have. I
1: would have, and I, I wouldn't have even included D'Angelo Russell in the conversation. But after his Game Six performance, I feel like he uh, deserved a nod. You know,
2: it's like give you some know, Twitch, man. It's like when you're playing basketball with your friends and you, you guys argue about who gets to be John Stockton. Oh wait, you guys, you guys never did that. Never. No? Okay. Okay. <laughs> LeBron actually went on a full rant about how no one has ever
0: done that in real life. Okay, that was actually one oh, of the yeah, that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You know, when you're when you playing 2K, nobody ever argues about who gets to be the Jazz.
0: <laughs>
1: strays, dude. The Jazz just catching strays left and right.
0: Back when Rudy Gobert was making all-star teams and people were like mad that he was the last pick. Woof. <laughs> the- <laughs> Times Honestly- have changed.
2: What a, a time bit. to be alive. Rudy Gobert, <laughs> all star, is uh, is something that aliens will look back and be like <laughs> why, where, when, how? What? <laughs> What aliens with really strong basketball? <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> They'll be like, no, but wait, screen assist, screen assist.
2: <laughs> there will be yeah, there will be yeah, one alien who says that. Be, <laughs> one, yeah. one alien. No man. And I'm that alien's kidding. name
1: will be named Andy Larson, <laughs> <laughs> Tony Jones.
0: <laughs> but wait, Tony baby. Assist. Oh my
1: gosh! Oh my gosh! All right on today's episode we are doing a post-mortem on each of the first round playoff series results we're gonna dive into some pr- uh, predictions for each second round matchup and then finally we will wrap up with Jason's mud pie moment of the week. boys what what a week it's been what a few weeks it's been this first round has been uh, absolutely nuts I mean some some series some series has been have been uh, less exciting so what we're gonna do is we're gonna run through some key takeaways. Uh, from each of the first round series, the way that I set this up, we're going to start with basically the series that went quickest, all the way to the ones that that took the longest, including the Warriors and Kings matchup, which has not officially finished yet. We're recording this on Sunday, April thirtieth, in the morning, so that game will uh, will start a little bit later today. So let's go ahead and and, and run through <clears throat> again some uh, some takeaways from each of these series. What I want to focus on is is a couple things. So first off, um, any key takeaways that you guys have. Share some brief thoughts on how the losses for each team will impact them going into the offseason and potentially even beyond. Because I think there are some uh, first takey takes that we could probably share about some of these series. And then also talk about what we learned about the winning teams that we, we see carrying over into this second round. So let's kick this off with... The 76ers versus the Brooklyn Nets. Philly advances four to nil. Key
0: takeaways, thoughts, dive right in. My key takeaway is that the Nets uh, somehow actually got revenge on the Sixers for this beef they've had the last few years by basically ruining the Sixers' chances going forward by hurting Joel Embiid. It's such a bummer. Do Um, we know how he got hurt?
1: Like did, did any play come out that said this is the play that you know like any any shot
0: of the play that happened? I I thought I saw one, but I I feel like they haven't been really harping on one incident where it happened, and so I mean I I I can't point to one. It wasn't thing. when he extended his happened. leg to kick Nick Clarkson in the giblets.
2: That was that was not the play. That <laughs> that's probably why they're not doing it. That's so embarrassing. Maybe not literally, but definitely spiritually. That's <laughs> that's what happens.
3: <laughs> A little karma there. So he's. I know he's doubtful yeah, for game one. How serious is it supposed to be? They said it. They announced yesterday it's an LCL
0: sprain, which would normally take four to six oh. weeks to recover from. Uh, so he's
3: doubtful for both both games in Boston, one and two. Well, can I put blows. a cons- conspiracy theorist hat on. Do I have a MAGA hat around here somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> is. Conspiracy theorist. Do it. He's not actually that hurt, but he knows that Harden is going to screw him over mm-hmm. and he doesn't want it on his legacy that he can't make the finals with this roster. <laughs> so <laughs> he's sitting there. What do you think, Jay? I mean, <laughs> there is a
1: lot of weird Houston buzz going around, I will say. Why is that? Swirling as much as it is right now, Mike. Uh, you guys are about to start your second round series, Harden. You may want to, you may want to tell your uh, source to cool it a little bit. Unless he, to your point, you a mean, conspiracy theorist here, he's like prepping for, hey, we're probably going to lose, so let me start this now. You mean
0: Doc Rivers isn't in full control of all of the <laughs> narratives going around his players in his
3: locker room? So like shocking. So <laughs> Go on. I think it's not on James, man. That's what that's going to be his new narrative.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I would like to say unequivocally, it is on James. Show up in the freaking playoffs, man. He showed up in Game One, which which was which was kind of cool, but also like he hit seven of his twelve step back threes, which, as we all know, is super sustainable offense. And so, like again, right? James is just James is just going to be James Harden in. You know, so he's gonna maybe have one great game and then have a bunch of like three for seventeens. So it's just oh, come on. As far as it
3: being sustainable, I mean, it's the only thing even semi-sustainable that he has right now. I remember back when we were doing the midseason awards and we were looking at the numbers and like Harden was really doing really well in advanced stats. And we were thinking about like, oh, should he be like in the All NBA conversation? Should he be an All Star? All of these things and. Just watching him, the eye test is like, this guy is not good anymore. He can still shoot. He's still very dangerous, and he can still pass. He draws defenders, which is useful for Joel. But he has, like, no ability to get to the rim and finish anymore. That was, like, my biggest takeaway from the series is that guy can't draw fouls, which is, like, the main thing in his game, which sets up all of his step backs and stuff. And when he takes it to the rim, I mean, granted, the the, the Nets have really long rangy defenders uh Nick Claxton at the rim so they have the personnel to to mess with him but still he was getting blocked all the time he wasn't getting the foul calls and he and even when he got a semi-clean look he was missing a lot of those he has no he has like no lift around the basket I guess father time comes for us all but something's going on with Harden I
1: don't think he's the player he used to be yeah I don't I, I unfortunately to Jason's earlier point I don't I guess all of our points. I don't think Philly really stands chance against Boston, especially if Embiid is hampered in any way, shape, or form, which it seems like he is. I do want, just for a, a minute or two, I want to focus on Brooklyn's sort of outlook going into this offseason. What do you guys think their their focus will be, should be? There are definitely some rumors going around. I've heard Dame's name thrown out, which would be just chef's kiss if they could keep most of this roster. You know, you got Dame surrounded by basically shooting and wing defenders. That sounds incredible. But what do you guys think that Brooklyn, what's this sort of outlook for Brooklyn going into the offseason after this loss? I mean,
2: main priority is going to keep Spencer Dinwiddie, right? Din, <laughs> Din-, <laughs> Din Shizzy Island. <laughs> 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 just saying out there. No, I think, I think that, that Brooklyn has a lot to be excited about, right? Especially, especially right from, having Kevin Durant and and Kyrie and, you know, the whole Harden episode, the last, you know, that's been sort of the last iteration of the Nets. And their expectations were so high that, like, honestly, in a way, you know, they, they could just never really meet those expectations unless they won a title. Um, and so now, like, with, with, with this group, this group is not burdened by any expectations, right? Mikhail Bridges looks really, really good. You know, l- looking like he could be a number one guy. Obviously, all of those wing defenders there, and they need. <laughs> so I was just thinking about, like, man, I'm like, yeah, I wonder who they could pluck from the Magic. But they, they, to me, <laughs> right, in, in a in, in a similar way, in the similar way that the Magic need sort of that that point guard playmaker to put everything together, the Nets also need that that point guard playmaker to put everything. Together. And jokes aside, uh, it's not Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> to, is it uh, ben it, simmons be <laughs> it could be ben you're, you're ready honestly i legitimately forgot that ben simmons was still on the nets he's only gonna be making I, about
1: uh 40 40 plus million dollars next year no biggie
2: yeah don't worry don't worry he's gonna be worth every cent of that they're gonna get as much production out of him as they possibly can oh man but yeah i think you know if uh if if Dame to, to to the Nets would be, I think, incredible. Um, but yeah, they, there's they just need that playmate, somebody with that playmaking ability to unlock everything for them. Do you
3: think that Dame going there elevates them to like contender status? For, the first thing is that it would obviously depend on what they had to give up. You have to keep Mikel in that kind of trade, but are they giving up DFS? Or are they giving up Cam Johnson? Uh, some of these other guys might be more expendable like Joe Harris or Seth Curry. Well, I think Seth Curry is a free agent, but I still wonder like what the ceiling of that team is. I think they're more than just Dame away from being a true contender. I think they're still just like a really fun team and a challenging out in the playoffs then, but I don't know. What do you guys think?
0: Yeah, I don't think Dame plus this current roster is is competing at the highest, highest levels. I think they're a playoff team and you know we'll see. Uh, I I do like... Where they ended up, though, because obviously there's a reason everybody's putting them in uh, in trade talks and talking about them with with different guys that that want out is because they're in that sweet spot where they are they have a lot of talent, um, a lot of great role players. Um, they're frisky. They have a good culture, good coach, um, and so people want. It, you know, they're like they're like kind of in the place that they were pre Kyrie, pre pre uh, KD. Except that they have, you know, a budding star in Mikkel Bridges, um, and so I think there's a reason people want to kind of like rumor about people going there. I think this the 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 cool part of it is that um, they pretty much have this whole team under contract for next year, except Seth Curry. Seth Curry and and they have to do a team option and probably extend uh, Cam Johnson. But after next year, a lot of guys come off the books, and except except for like. I think, some of the most valuable guys. And so they'll still have the core, but then they'll have cap space. So they really might be in that interesting spot. I don't think there's a lot of good free agents necessarily coming up, but we talking about sign and trade, stuff like that. I like where they're at, but I think, you know, right now they're just frisky.
1: Awesome. Well, um, let's go ahead and move on to our our next series, which was the Denver Nuggets versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. Denver walks away with the 4 one Victory! They advance to the next round. Um, key takeaways, thoughts. What do you guys want to? What do you guys want to dive into first? The the Nuggets side or the Timberwolves side? I think there's probably more to say on the Timberwolves side than there is the Nuggets side. That's just me personally.
2: Yeah, let's let's just start with man. That trade really got them uh, exactly where they wanted to be in the playoffs. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> I mean. Uh... <laughs> how does how does Minnesota's front office do this stuff? <laughs> like I just, I just don't know. I just don't know. Um, maybe trying to look for some. I guess uh, you know. There, there's a whole lot to say about about Rudy. That's basically already been said. But some bright spots. I think Ant looked. I mean, he wasn't like uh like man. He's like going to be otherworldly type of stuff. But he's he showed some really good flashes. Again, he's, um, he's still just 21. And so I think that if the front office knows, if they can do anything, please just focus on Anthony Edwards going forward. Like if, if there's one thing I would ask from the, the great state of Minnesota, please just focus on Anthony Edwards going forward.
3: I think they have one basically round left in the chamber and that is trading Cat. I think they still have enough pieces on that roster to build around Anthony Edwards. And if they use Cat in the right way. They could probably construct a pretty solid roster. In a still somewhat wide open West. We'll see what the Suns become. Uh, the rest of the, these playoffs. And into next year. If they become a juggernaut in the West. But uh, Ant definitely has that potential. To be a 1A star. I think he has like the top 10 in the league potential. We'll see if he ever gets there. He actually disappointed me in the playoffs. He always shows flashes. Because he's that's what he is. Uh, he had a great regular season, but I felt like he kind of faded away and he was really absent on a lot of plays. Uh, they weren't focusing the ball to him a lot. I think part of the reason is because Cat is there. I think it's time to just go Anthony Edwards, use Cat, see what you can put around uh, Ant.
1: So my question is, what what do you put around Ant? I mean, I think they've got some good pieces in Jaden McDaniels. I think Slomo mo was a really solid addition, really good at taking a punch too. Um But the rest of the roster, you know, you've got, you've obviously got Rudy locked up. They're not. I don't think they're gonna be gonna be able to move that contract. Is it like three and D guys? Is it? I mean, because I think Ant showed a lot of uh, ability to potentially be even like a creator type. What do you guys think?
0: I think ideally, you would have a a front court guy who um, is elite defensively. I think that was the idea of getting Rudy Gobert, but in this series, I mean, especially, oh goodness, in like the the high leverage moments, and especially at the end of game five, Rudy, his, the only thing he is asked to do is play defense and rebound, and he could not do either. He was giving up offensive rebounds all day on crucial plays where the, where the Wolves were this close to pushing it to a game six at home, which they would have won, giving us a seven game series that i predicted but because, but rudy Colbert. nice try man. <laughs> <laughs> no i think like if i mean obviously every team in the dang league could use anthony davis but like if you had a pick and roll partner who is elite defensively like ad with with anthony edwards that would be um incredible um but i i think it's i think they have actually a lot of what they want i like na I mean, uh, Jaden McDaniels is incredible um, when he's healthy. That's one thing they didn't have in this series. Um, I think they probably, you know, I think the Mike Conley uh, experiment is going to age out soon. So they're probably going to have a a little bit of a hole there. But yeah, I like the idea of Mike Conley with him, a point guard who can shoot and handle and just kind of run things and then let uh, Edwards attack. But I think they have kind of like the basic pieces um, if they had Rudy from five years ago, they really might be cooking, but unfortunately they do not. And so I, I, I think the trading cat is the is the answer. and then just I, you know, he is young enough where they're gonna be able to get out from under this Rudy situation and hopefully end up with something that looks like a contending team around him. But Edwards was great, thirty one, five, and five in this series. Uh, I know he had moments where he what didn't look as good, but overall, he looked up to the task unlike the rest of his team. I do think it's a uh, pretty telling
1: that we spent all this time talking about the Minnesota side of things and not really the Denver side of things and I think that's okay. I th- I think we we'll, uh we should definitely get into them in our next segment when we start talking about round 2 matchups because I think they've uh, I I think we may be sleeping on them a little bit. Yeah. So I think we should get into that in in this next yeah. segment for sure.
0: The poor <laughs> one out for a season's worth of fun Timberwolves talk. Am oh, I yeah. right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> gonna miss
3: it. Great, great, great I will content.
1: You <laughs> <now>. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to our third series, which, uh, in my best Kyle voice, I was not expecting that. This would be the New York Knicks versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Knicks advance four to one. I think all of us had the Cavs in five or six oh. games. And boy, were we wrong. So key, key takeaways, what what was the sort of like, why do you guys think it went the way that it did, um, you know, either from the, the Knicks side or from the Cleveland side or both?
2: You know, so I mean, the heuristic is <laughs> Jalen Brunson just pants Donovan again in the first round. Uh, it's honestly like it's, it was just, it, that part of it was, was wild. And there were obviously more complex basketball reasons why that went down. But in, I think that it mattered as far as, as Jalen Brunson really outdueling Donovan Mitchell again, right? He just he just sunned him. It was honestly, it's kind of awesome, right? It's like your ex has has been doing well, and then you see your ex break up with someone, and you're like, <laughs> oh my "Gosh, so bitter." <laughs> I know. Uh, bitter party of one. <laughs> bitter party of
1: one. Are you eating dinner on a spaceship? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Is it, it an intergalactic dinner brother. with
2: your, your boo?
1: <laughs> intergalactic, <laughs>
2: planetary, planetary, planetary. Intergalactic.
0: <laughs> Her sister is addicted to drugs. <laughs> I know, finally. I was like, who's going to
2: do this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Should have swiped left. Um, <laughs> <laughs> In... Um, in a, more, more basketball terms, I think that the the Cavs, and something that that I didn't think about, right, because I think, oh, between Evan, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, they've kind of locked down the defensive end. And just in my head, too, you know, I just I didn't look up any stats. I was like, oh, yeah, just sort of rebounding. The Knicks just fought harder. You know what? Like, they, they just, like, they wanted it more, I think, and they were more physical, and they went and they got it. And the Cavs... Just weren't ready for that. They weren't ready to be like, hey, we're like, we're gonna go get, like, literally go get the ball, um, in in a way because New York, I'm in I don't know the number off the top of my head, but they generate tons of extra possessions, both on on the offensive boards by like cleaning the defensive rebounds, fifty fifty balls, and they just they just gutted it out. And honestly, big credit to them. I did not think that the Knicks would show up in in the playoffs in in the way that they did, especially. With Just with everything. So, honestly, kudos to the
1: Knicks. Yeah, they had the highest offensive rebounding percentage of any team in the first round. And that definitely played out with the eye test. I mean, Mitchell Robinson, speaking of pantsing other guys, I mean, he was just absolutely demolishing Jared Allen and Evan Mobley on the glass. Which, again, I mean, to your point, Dan, that generated extra possessions for the Knicks. The thing about the Knicks that was interesting is, like, it's not like the Cavs' defense was bad. I mean, it's not, the Knicks were putting up... I think they averaged like 99 points a game. So it's not like their offense was this elite offense in the first round. It's that... the Honestly, to me, the story was the Cavs offense was horrific in the first round. It was so bad. It was such... Uh, You know, it, it was... To, for me, it was so terrible to watch every game. Just super bogged down. They don't have really any creativity or any guys that can do anything off the dribble except for Garland and Mitchell. And... To the Knicks' credit, I mean, I think their game plan was basically to stop those dudes and make the other guys do something. And you had one Levert game, which was nice. I think that was the one game they won. Outside of that, I mean, Evan Mobley averaged like 10 points a game in this series. Jared Allen's not doing anything off the bounce. He's not... He doesn't really have, you know, any sort of post-up game. So I think one of my biggest takeaways from this first round, um, or from this matchup specifically, was that Jared Allen evan mobley pairing what does that look like moving forward i think it's a case of you know this whole two big proposition i think obviously worked really well for them in the regular season but when you get into these match these playoff matchups where these coaches can really game plan for throughout this seven game series what does that look like and unfortunately i don't think Bickerstaff really made any adjustments that helped out in that but to hit you know to to his defense, I'm not sure what the options would have been for Cleveland because they're exactly
3: their roster just didn't really have a ton to work with. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. They just they don't have enough personnel who can create offense. It's as simple as that. And to Dan's point, they also just got out flat. When it comes down to a defensive battle between two teams that are very good defensively, it really is just like a heart and a fight type mentality. And the Cavaliers looks young and inexperienced. The one guy that they had who could have overcome that deficit is Donovan Mitchell, who has the experience, who's been there, and has performed at a very high level in the playoffs. But he didn't do it. Uh, and to his credit, he, he sort of took the blame for the series. He was like, I didn't play well. And he needs to be better. Uh, but what really will factor into the Cavaliers moving forward and how good they become is whether Evan Mobley can develop into that third scorer, a guy who can give you 18-20 a game, and that you can rely on to give, to give you possessions on offense where he can create the offense and score. Uh, if that doesn't happen, then this team is going to be this good uh, that we've seen this year, but no better. they got to get that
0: fifth guy, too. We talked about that the entire season, right? Oh, yeah, that's That true. fifth spot. Just That's like brutal, brutal in the series. That's exactly what I was going to jump in on, which is you look at the Knicks, and then you look at the Cavs, and the Knicks have nine guys who they trust, um, and the Cavs have four and a half, something like that. And that half changes every night. Basically, and it's what we talked about all season. They have a lot of work to do in the off season, but I wouldn't throw, especially with how young they are. I definitely wouldn't throw this, you know, uh, this core away quite yet because it'd be interesting to see what they do. But two teams that disappointed in their first round series, who are trying the two big thing, um, it's really interesting. You know, who would have been a really good fifth guy in Cleveland,
1: Josh Hart. <laughs> Shout out to Josh Hart, man. Baby Laker. Thank you. Laker legend. dude. Thank you. He's just such a joy to watch. So much energy. He just plays with so much passion. He is like, I mean, I, I joke about him in Cleveland. He's the perfect Nick. I mean, him playing in MSG, boosting the crowd, getting the crowd fired up. Just, you know, uh, incredible on the glass. Great offensive rebounding. Just, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, we'll, we'll get into the, the second round matchup. Because there's going to be a case that the Knicks could potentially make a, an Eastern Conference Finals run. I think there's a, they actually have a really really good shot of doing that. So we'll see what this next round looks like. Okay, let's go to our fourth matchup. This was the Suns versus the Clippers. The Sun advance four to one. Uh, my key takeaway is like again the Clippers health issues. No Kawhi. No PG. We got robbed of a series that I think would have been incredibly fun to watch because Kawhi went down in game two and didn't play the rest of the series. So
3: what were you guys' takeaways from, uh, I guess, aside from that in this series? Hey, Russ, sort of building some value up again. It makes me interested in what's going to happen with him in the offseason. He played really hard, played really well, kept them in some games. Uh, They ended up, you know, still losing those games, but he he actually played really well. Looked kind of like Russell Bold. Uh, When he doesn't make mistakes He's still a really good basketball player So him finding the the way to Limit his turnovers and his just Poor offensive and defensive choices uh, Really made a difference in this series And I think will help him land Another gig this next year
1: Yeah one thing uh, Rob Mahoney Was talking about with Bill Simmons a couple He was probably a week ago Was he was like he's like, He's like you gotta assume that like OKC Houston, Washington They're all looking at this going like you had this defensive ability the entire time and you never used it. I mean, I definitely had those moments. I know in his early days in OKC, he definitely put the effort in on the defensive side, but the last like 5-6 years, I'm like this dude's in his like early to mid 30s now and you had this in your bag the whole time. You could have put this effort in, and you didn't. So I I wonder if the Clippers will actually re-sign him based on what they saw. I thought he was he actually ended up being a really really good fit there, which again, was not expecting that at all when he
0: uh, when he went there after getting bought out. You know, in my job, uh, I work with a lot of uh, people who uh, hit rock bottom and who uh, start making efforts to, to change their behavior when that happens. Um, and I've heard a lot about like NA, NA and AA stuff where they talk about the pain of the problem being worse than the pain of the solution. That's when you start making changes. And uh, I think for uh Mr. Westbrook the pain of the problem which was that he was almost out of the league uh became worse than the pain of the solution which was actually playing hard uh and you know kind of locking in mentally so uh good for him uh I'm very curious I, the 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 clippers are talking about re-signing him I don't know if that's like a PR move or if they just really like him um as a laker fan I would be uh overjoyed to see them Uh, sign him to a contract where he actually made a lot of money and took up space on their cap sheet because it was the perfect situation to have him on a minimum doing what he was doing. He way outplayed his minimum contract this year with them, for sure. The
3: the issue for them resigning him is they can't sign him for very much because they don't have his bird rights. So will he be willing to... Will he actually go try to make another, you know, get another big contract, make some money again? Or does he feel like he's made enough? And he has a ton of business... Uh, things on the side so he enjoys being in LA and I think he does he wants to be in LA it's where his family's from and they love living there so I bet he stays who would sign him to a big contract though that's my
1: question like I hear it's not Orlando the Clippers. oh my god
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey here card. comes Dirty
1: Dan the Orlando <laughs> Magic Man right on the cue parentheses
0: Orlando Magic uh, please no <laughs>
1: Yeah, please no. I, I'm gonna steer,
0: yeah. steer clear. Teams with young, good vibes, impressionable steer, young
1: guys, just just don't do it. It's a bad choice. Um, anything on the sun side that that caught your eye that you guys think they'll carry forward? I mean, my biggest takeaway on the sun side was Devin freaking Booker, man. He he, I would say other than Jimmy, has probably been the best player of the playoffs up to this point. Um, Averaging like 36 a game. It's crazy. He's tearing it up, man. He is absolutely Dirty. tearing it up. So, he, uh, you know, I, I think that he can continue that into this round. Obviously, uh, last night's performance slash outcome was not what you would hope for as a Suns fan um, with them going down in Game One against Denver. But we'll get to that a little bit later. But yeah, Devin Devin Booker was incredible in the first round. All right. On that note, let's move to our fifth series. This is where I think the uh, the first take takes are going to be uh, flying off the shelves. So this is the Miami Heat versus the Milwaukee Bucks. The Heat advance four to one. I'm going to give you guys the floor. Go ahead and uh,
2: open mic night. Here we go. Well, all start. Oh man, what, <laughs> what, where, when, why, how, Jimmy, 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 Jimmy. I think, okay, so even, so Giannis goes down 10 minutes into game one, right? Even with Giannis, do they win game one? Even even with Giannis? I mean, like, it's really hard to say because, you know, like, the game ebbs and flows and, and all that stuff. But I just felt like Miami came out and punched them in the mouth and punched them again and punched them again. And I kept waiting for Milwaukee to respond. And you know they 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 did win a game, but it wasn't like I don't know I, from from a team that basically everybody on their team right there's maybe one or two exceptions. Basically everybody on that team is an NBA champion. Like I just I don't know. I don't feel like they played like champions, like 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 a team that won the championship a co- like a couple years ago, and that to me was just mind boggling. The just getting um not being mentally prepared and not mentally being there i think was like really really clear now obviously with coach bud we do know you know there are some some dire circumstances really really sad about his brother passing away in the middle of the series so i think that that explains a lot about bud and 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 everything there and so maybe that did have some some downstream effects where it affected the rest of the team but that to me was was really the story was how the bucks just didn't um just weren't there mentally. And obviously, huge credit to the Heat. This isn't to take away anything from some of the most transcendent uh, uh, basketball that, like, individual basketball that that we've seen played, like, in a while. Just Jimmy, like... Whoa, what else is there to say about Jimmy Butler at this point? Just unbe- unbelievable. So good. Played such an incredible individual series.
1: Yeah, Game 4 was... Um... One of the craziest things I've ever watched occur on a basketball court ever. And I was like, there's no way that, there's no way it could get crazier than this. And then game five happens. And I'm like, this is like an out of body experience. What is happening right now? Milwaukee had like a 16 point lead with like five minutes left, six minutes left. And then Jimmy happens and just completely takes over. Obviously, to your point, Dan, humongous credit to Jimmy. I don't, I'm not sure we've ever, at least for me, sort of in my adult life, witness something like that in a playoff series that may be that's like legitimately one of the best playoff series performances probably in nba history which is really saying a lot um on the milwaukee side i just man i'm very interested to see what they do this offseason they've got i think brooke brooke lopez and chris middleton are both um free agents which should be interesting I think Drew is up for extension. An extension next season. Giannis is up for an extension next season. Um, you know, I know that obviously the Giannis clip was going around about him. You know, saying that this se- this season wasn't a failure, which uh, I thought was, you know, it's a great quote overall. I thought that as you per, per usual, Giannis, you know, has wisdom beyond his years. But how do you recover from something like this if you're Milwaukee going into next season? They absolutely crumbled when the lights were shining brightest.
3: I mean, it's the same thing we've been talking about for years, right? It's that it's probably time for Bud to go. And it's really hard to say that and sort of almost kick a man when he's down with the loss of his brother. And we can never know how much that affected his ability to strategize and game plan and how it affected the rest of the roster. uh, We feel terrible for him. But he has shown in the past, and he showed again this year, an inability to adjust to what's going on in the game. And the thing is, the throughout the season, as some of these guys got healthy, like Ingles, they pick up Crowder. Uh, Bobby Portis was a six-man candidate uh, finalist, I think. And those guys barely played. They needed wing defense. They needed someone to slow down Jimmy. They had Jay Crowder sitting on the bench. The guy doesn't even get in the game. Like, what's, what's going on? Like, there's very easy adjustments you can make better than playing Grayson Allen 35 minutes, you know, and then, or maybe trying even
1: on the court stuff too, man. Yeah, I mean, like, how about how about you uh, switch maybe a little bit on screens? How about you to your point, like maybe throw Giannis at Jimmy? I don't know. Like, there are things you can do. Exactly. I know it's uncomfortable to get away from what your sort of normal game plan is, but like, man, when you're getting kicked in the teeth like that
3: over and over and over again, you have to make adjustments at some point. Really, it just it disappoints me because I thought this wasn't going to be another Giannis year, another Bucks opportunity for a championship. Now, I think I said in our group text that I don't think this is like the crisis that Zach Lowe is making it out to be. What this is, is a shortening of a window. They lost a year where they had an opportunity to win. Their team is aging. um, And so their window is now now shorter. They only have maybe another year or two with this core where they're going to be at this level. But this core is still really, really good and very much capable of winning a championship If they're able to make those adjustments and, you know, hoping that guys like Chris Middleton can be healthy for a majority of the year and actually have his rhythm and everything like that. When you have the best player in the league, and I think we're pretty unanimous that he is the best player in the league both ways, you always have a shot. They don't really have a great ability to retool and uh, do some of the things we would like them to do. So I think it's going to be the same roster. Interested to see if they re-sign Middleton or if he picks up his player option or how that works out but it's going to be the same team basically and if they can make a, f- a couple of fringe moves and maybe the big move for them instead of a free agent or a trade is coach maybe Nick Nurse that one yeah i completely
0: agree i uh, on it not being a crisis though it's a gigantic disappointment um and i think the re- i think the biggest reason why it's not a crisis is is they they lost in 5 to a team that was not just not an 8 seed like not playing like an eight seed. They did not 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 they did not have the talent of an eight seed. We had that talk probably six weeks ago or something, maybe a month ago, about why the Heat weren't as good as previous years. And we focused a lot in on the shooting and the playmaking. Guess what? Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, Max, Max Street all shot over 40% from three, this series. Like they just, they're just back. They're like for now, they are back to what made them a one seed last year. Um, and what took them to the championship in the bubble a few seasons ago. And that's without Tyler Hero. So this is not a regular eight seed. This is a team that can beat just about anybody in a series if Jimmy Butler plays like that. And, and obviously you can't expect him to play quite like that, but they didn't even get necessarily a great offensive series from Bam. So they can even play better. So that's a reason to to not, you know, throw this Bucks baby out with the bathwater. Um, it's so tough to talk about with Bud because... Um, specifically, I guess his his brother passed away before, right before Game Four, um, which is when the coaching really, really went out the window. Um, and so I can just can't speak to that. Yeah. Um, but if this was the only time he had a tough playoffs as a coach, I would say you definitely cannot part with him. But unfortunately, it's kind of a last straw. So I would expect that they kind of um, they kind of mutually agree to part ways. Hopefully, um, because. Just, it's such a tough situation. But yeah, if with somebody who's with somebody who is up to the challenge to coach against Eric Bolstra in that way, uh, they they have a much better chance. But I gotta say, Giannis has got to be better. He played hurt, um, which is a big part of it, but he shot 45% from the free throw line on the series. That is not going to get it done. And you could tell he was afraid to go to the line at the end of game 5. He almost he threw, threw it out of bounds man. Mat. He th- almost threw the ball out yeah. of bounds cuz he was like yeah no <laughs> ah, I don't
1: want this. Um uh yeah I will say if 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 this was uh, LeBron, I think Giannis would have been wheeled out in a wheelchair after game 5 to the press conference because I think his back injury was probably worse <laughs> than he was letting on. No, I I'm obviously joking about that. Um, Not
0: really, but, though. I are mean you?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, "I broke my back in game 3, but I played anyway." My, my no, spine is I actually mean, to your point, Jay, right now. We, <laughs> but I tough it out anyway. I can't walk but I can run. Um, The heat shot 45% from three in this series. So zombie heat. I know that was a Bill Simmons take like the whole season. And we talked about it. We talked about it going into this first round matchup. We said like, if these role guys can start hitting from outside, um, but it wasn't even just the role guys. Like Jimmy doesn't shoot threes in the regular season. And then all of a sudden he becomes Steph Curry in round one of the playoffs. So it's it's pretty wild to watch. Again, we'll get into uh the the second round matchup against the Knicks, but they're here, man. The Heat every freaking year. This is just what they do. Spolstra, because they have
2: Spolstra man is the best coach in the league. That's why. But Bo- oh, he's incredible. Man, incredible. he's incredible. He's awesome. And a word a word too, um, to Jason's point about the Heat not being a regular eight seed. One thing I really underestimated about this Heat team and Heat culture, frankly, is the pride with which they carry themselves. Like, like Watching those two teams wouldn't have guessed that the Bucks were champions and the Heat weren't, right? The Heat showed up, they cared, they played hard, right? And every like every they played like every possession mattered. You know, they just took a ton of pride in their basketball, and that was really cool to watch. Those players who voted all Jimmy right. as Let's,
3: overrated, I just have to say, like, shame on them, yeah. man. He shows us every <laughs> playoff. That was just extra. He showed us all year. Honestly, he was great in the regular season, yeah. but especially in the playoffs, he always shows up. He's so good. And these guys, I can't believe it. Shame, but Jimmy deserves to win a championship just to rub it in their faces or something. Amen. Here, here.
1: All right, ra- let's go to our, our sixth matchup. It was the Celtics versus the Hawks, the Celtics advance four to two. I think my biggest takeaway out of this series is, um, you know, what, what, if anything, do the Hawks do moving into this off season? I think we talked about this a little bit on our group chat, our text thread, um, I, don't, I th- actually think the Hawks probably just run it back, give Quinn some time to implement his system, have an off, you know, a whole off-season to prep, training camp. I think Trey probably showed enough in the last two games to where they're going to convince themselves that he is uh, somebody they can still build around moving forward. But what are your guys' thoughts on the Atlanta side? We'll get into the Boston side when we move in,
0: into our next segment. So the only decisions they have to really make, they, that they actually have to make, um, are uh, Kong Wu, who is really, really good. And Sadiq Bay, who I think was really good for them, and gives them an extra kind of option when it comes to going small, having wings. Um, uh, both of those guys, I think, are restricted free agents or have team options, something like that. Um, uh, basketball reference is a little sketchy on that, but I think you, I think those are two guys you want to bring back uh, for sure if you can. Otherwise, their roster is pretty set, and I'd like to see what Quinn Snyder can do because I said this in the group chat yesterday. If you told me that they lost in a competitive like six-game series to the Celtics a few months ago, I'd be like, yeah, good season. The fact that they needed the play-in to get there, uh, not great. Um, but at the same time, I mean, at the end of the day, they they beat the Heat in a play-in game. <laughs> um, uh, I think that was before the Heat flipped the switch, uh, it seemed. But, but yeah, I think they run it back and see what Quinn can do with it, for sure. I I don't, I think I said it when the trade happened, or I said in our group chat when the trade happened, like, I don't like the Murray, Trey Young fit a ton long term, but they are versatile enough uh, uh, with how many guys they have who can play different positions and stuff that um, they might be able to overcome it. But I, 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 I don't, I don't really see that high of a ceiling long term.
3: I actually do like the Trey Young, uh, Dejounte Murray pairing. They, I think that their skill set sort of overlaps really well, and I was. I, we said this a lot earlier in the season, but I would like to see if Quinn can put the ball into DeJounte's hands more and take it out of Trey's a little bit and have Trey sort of play the Steph Curry role running around screens and stuff. I don't know if you can do that with Trey's personality, but if they can. And uh, I think they have a talented roster. They have a lack of high-end talent. I don't think Trey's that guy that's going to get you into the contender bracket. So like, I think next year they come back as like a playoff team, solid playoff team. Again, maybe a little bit higher than they were this year, uh, not doing the plan thing. But I don't think they really have any options unless they try to trade Trey to change to really shake up that roster.
0: Well, I'll just throw in, it's a natural run it back one season because DeJounte is a free agent after next season, right? Um, so they see what they have. And then they.
3: And I think uh, they already picked up the options on Bay and Okongwu. So if those guys are coming back. They could try to move Capella for something and let Okongwu be the starter. And try to add more more depth that way.
1: I would do that if I were them. I'm a big I'm a big Akongwu fan. I think he's capable of doing more than they've uh, given him a shot to do right now, and that's just because they've had Capella. I think the biggest thing for me is like their guys just need to play better. Like John Collins actually came on in games four and five, or no, games five and six. Like he was actually hitting threes again, which he didn't do really at all during the regular season. Um, and and Trey, I mean. You know, there's, there's a lot of talk. There's going to be a lot of talk about the fact that he averaged what? Like, I think he – so he averaged 29 points a game in this series, but he shot 40% overall and 33%. Exactly what he records. did in the it's regular like season. It's just what he does. But, like, and he was in his – yeah, I mean, his overall plus-minus numbers are not good. Um, he's obviously a huge defensive liability, but he just uh, – I don't know, man. Like, in order for them to be successful, at least offensively, defensively he's always going to be a liability because of his size but on offense to your point Zach like if if he if if Quinn can somehow convince him that he doesn't need to have the ball you know 75% of the time and he can I actually think that he could be much better as a spot-up guy than a guy that's pulling up off the dribble from 35 feet like he did a lot in this series because he has the green light to do whatever he wants I think that that would uh definitely bode well for them Okay, let's move into uh our our seventh series. This was the Lakers of Los Angeles versus the Grizzlies of Memphis. Lakers advance 4 to 2 after uh the Grizzlies talk just an incredible amount of trash throughout the entire series, especially the first few games. And guess what? It humbled them. They fell from the sun. And here we are. The Lakers advance after absolutely demolishing them, embarrassing them in front of A uh, nationally televised group, uh, 125 to 85. I'm going to give the floor to to Jason to just share a few thoughts
0: and then we can chime in. Jay, take it away. Lakers Celtics finals anxiety watch went from two to five. Is (laughs) this out of
3: 10? (laughs) Okay, so we're up to five. They're looking good,
0: man. They're looking good. Oh, man. D'Angelo Russell, <laughs> kill the fatted calf. My son was lost and now he is found. I Until next have, game, right? <laughs> like maybe it's maybe it's just a dice yes. roll with him every game. But someone was asking me, like, hey, why doesn't Truder start over Russell? And I and I told him, like a guy I was watching Friday Night's Game with, I was like, you just have to see if D'Lo has it. Every game you have to see if he has it. Because if he has it, he is the perfect third guy with LeBron and AD. Those passes he was throwing to AD for, for lobs, uh, the obviously the shot making, it is tantalizing. I'm getting chills just talking about <laughs> oh it right now. God. This is the guy we drafted with the second overall pick. I was convinced this guy was like the second coming of like I don't know, smaller James Harden mixed with Magic Johnson at the time when we drafted him. Um, He's not that. He's not that. <laughs> but, but on a specific night, ooh, he can look good. Um, and when he has that ceiling, the Laker, this Lakers team has a real, real ceiling. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I In the beginning of the day or uh, Friday, I was thinking about how it was a game six and someone tweeted um, like, are we going to get the obligatory like Rui Hachimura starts game six? Um, the, the way that Alex Cruz started game six of the finals for the first time against the Heat and they just mashed them. Um, there wasn't a lineup change like that, um, that, that like signaled that it was going to happen. Um, but I was thinking, I was like, I can't imagine this team doing what that team did, which is just come into a game six and be like, it's over after a quarter and a half and then they did it um, <laughs> they sure did i did not think this team had that much of a switch that they could flip but boy do they have a switch that they can flip um and uh yeah it's given given me dangerous ideas that are really gonna bite me in the butt later <laughs> but, hopefully um, not we'll see but it's it's a it's a lot of fun um they have a ceiling and this is and, i mean this I can now say that this has been a successful season based on how it started. Um, no matter how this ends, I will feel good about this season. Um, but, uh, but let's go. Let's go get this. I just want to throw out, I know I gave a
1: lot of flowers to Anthony Davis on our text thread throughout this uh, this series. Just defensively, the absolute monster he was inside. Um, the Grizzlies had, out of 16 teams, they had the 14th ranked offensive rating in the first round. And I think a lot of the credit goes to Anthony Davis, man. He was erasing everything at the rim. You could tell the guys were just, <clears throat> the longer the series went on, the more hesitant they were to even get into the paint. And, you know, the, the problem with Memphis specifically is when that happens, you know, so much of their offensive game is predicated on ja, guys like Jaw getting into the paint, spraying out to shooters on the outside. Well, guess what? If nobody's getting into the paint, you know, the are the, your. I should say your, I almost said are. I'm not, you know, not a Lakers fan, but I kind of feel like one, you know, in just because of you. Um, bless you. Yeah. No, you got their, their perimeter defenders are able to just chill on their guys, let Dylan Brooks take a bunch of uh 25 30 footers, clank them off the top of the backboard, and away we go. <laughs> I mean, that game six performance was just unbelievable, man. And, um, to walk to watch. Memphis specifically Dylan Brooks and jaw kind of walk away from this
0: series. Completely humbled was chef's kiss four dip four wins in this series, four different leading scorers for the Lakers. That is a very interesting team, uh, especially because they let Anthony Davis be like 2012 Kentucky, Anthony Davis, where he can play D and just kind of fill in. He doesn't have to be the guy. And it's great.
3: We don't need to belabor the point. Lakers are clearly in the contender bracket now, uh, but they rise and fall on Anthony Davis. How how their depth players, their role players play, obviously plays a huge role, but if Anthony Davis is engaged, especially on the defensive end, they're a totally different team. Uh, And then when he's aggressive on the offensive end as well, seeking his shot or trying to get other guys involved from the high post, that team is totally different. You see it, it's like night and day. Uh, when he's you know scoring twelve points and his defense is he's always you know good but not great they're just a totally different team uh, like they were in Game Six when he just comes out with a fire and and honestly in some of the other games in the series too so all
1: right let's talk for just a couple minutes for the sake of time about Golden State Sacramento arguably the best series of the first round I don't even know if it's arguable at this point it's been just you know a, an absolute. I would say, I would normally say joy to watch, but for me, it just gives me a ton of anxiety because of the uh, Golden State vasectomies, uh, the Snip Snap, your Snip Snap 2023, Snip Snap player, or sorry, playoff team of the year. Um, You know, they get beat the first two games on the road, which was to be expected based off of their putrid road performance during the regular season. Very close games, though. Then they win the next three And then game six, I don't know about you guys. I was honestly completely shocked. I thought Golden State was going to come out. Jay, to your point about the Lakers coming out in in game six and just, you know, demolishing Memphis and playing with purpose and playing with a sense of urgency. Definitely did not see that from Golden State. Honestly, what I saw was a team that looked tired and they're playing against a Sacramento team that looks hungrier and younger and has more energy. So... Let's share. I mean, go ahead and jump in for a couple minutes. Want to hear you guys' uh,
3: thoughts on maybe how Game Seven's? I just like my- three words. Yeah, I only have three words to say about the this Game Seven. Light the beam. <laughs> Let's, Let's go! go! I want it so, 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 so badly. <laughs> I know. I'm trying not reasons. to want it too One, much. I'm trying not to be too. I hate needy. the Warriors. Two. I want Kings Lakers. I've wanted Kings Lakers.
2: For sixteen years, so let's get it again. You know, you know who probably else wants Kings Lakers? Adam Silver. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely I think not. No, he wants no, 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 State no. He wants Lakers <laughs>
0: Warriors. He wants
2: Lakers <laughs> Warriors
0: bad.
1: Yeah. Steph Lebron, come on now. Steph Lebron five.
2: Oh man, five, I my Kings and seven take is is still has life. Still has life. I'm so stoked about that. And I was really, I was close to saying that the home to win every game. I was off by, I guess, two games where, where the, the road team has won won twice now, but man, Hey, anything's possible. <laughs> Pat, do the Zaza voice again.
1: We're going to game seven, baby. <laughs> game
0: seven. <laughs>
1: Oh man! Nothing
0: easy. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> easy.
1: Does that mean Draymond's gonna step underneath a deer and fox today when he takes a three? No, don't say that. Uh, I sure, I
2: sure I, hope not. Don't sure you put not. that evil on him, Ricky Bobby? <laughs> Wait, hold on, do a better. I don't don't you know, put man. that evil on him, Ricky Bobby.
3: Don't don't give Draymond <laughs> ideas. He will take it and run with it. I know he definitely listens to this podcast. time so listener, Draymond. Draymond,
1: if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't do see- it. We love you. All right. Well, that's for the sake of time. Let's move on to uh, our next segment. We're going to give some second round predictions, do a little rapid fire, much like we did with the first round. So I will go through all four series. We'll basically uh, each give our our prediction of who we think will win and in how many games. And then we'll talk about it for a couple minutes. So let's go ahead and start with the Eastern Conference. Uh, Knicks in the five spot versus the Heat in the eight spot. Um, all of us, of course, definitely saw this coming uh, after round one. Um, who wants to uh, Who wants to kick it off with their prediction
2: and how many games? I'm kind of I'm kind of scared too. All right, I'll well, I'll do it. I'm going Heat and seven playoff playoff. Jimmy's locked in. <laughs> I think it's going to be an absolute rock fight. Let's go Heat and seven winning game seven in Madison Square Garden. Whoo!
3: That would be a hot sizzle. Zach, what do you got? This one is incredibly difficult because they're very similar teams, you know? I think, as impressed as I was with the Heat, I do think theirs is slightly more fuky. F- fuky. <laughs> fluky. Yeah, fuky. It's so fuky. Uh, fluky because it re- required them to shoot like crazy. And I don't think they're going to be that good again, especially against a defense like the Knicks. So they have the best player in the series. For that, I'll go seven games, but I'm still going Knicks. I'm
1: going to be a little bit more bold. I, I think uh, I think Miami caught lightning in a bottle in that first round, and I think it's going to catch up to them a little bit. It was the perfect combination of Miami catching lightning in a bottle and uh, Milwaukee's coaching kind of falling off a cliff again for reasons that we completely understand, as we outlined in our previous segment. I'm going to go. I'm actually going to go Knicks in six. Bold. He's probably going to come back
0: to bite me, Jay. What do you got? I'm I'm absolutely I'm I'm a total mess right now. <laughs> like the judge and baby of the year. <laughs> um, <sighs> I I'm going. I think I, I'm going heat and seven. Okay. Uh, I think this is nice. We got some difference. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's yeah. going to be going. It's gonna join be me, Jimmy Jay. and Jimmy and Brunson just going. Just going back and forth with clutch buckets and I I, I I have a hard time picking against the home team here, especially with that home environment. But Bucks environment's pretty pretty rockin' too, and the Heat had no problems with that. So um Heat seven. Uh especially yeah, I, I, I think we've just seen it more from them. We haven't seen this Knicks team play more than one playoff series, really. So
3: yeah. I almost went six like you did Pat. I just really want the series win to happen in Mazda Square Garden. So that was a little bit of like what I want to happen instead of six games. That crowd is nuts, man. It was crazy. And they're thirsty
1: for it, man. They're so, I mean, they, they deserve it, right? Their last playoff win was what was it? 2012, that mellow team against where they lost against Indiana in the second round. So I, I mean, look, I, this series to me could absolutely go either way. I, I think it's a toss up, um, I'm going to give the slight edge to the Knicks just because I think I like their depth a little bit more. I think they're going to be able to neutralize some of the guys that went off in the Miami series, you know, like Struess, Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, um, you know, these scrap heap guys that Miami just magically churns out every year into these legit rotation guys. Um, Bam versus... Yeah, no, for real. Bam versus Mitchell Robinson is going to be a fun matchup to watch, especially on the glass. This is, I mean, to me... I don't know. I We'll see how everything shakes
0: out, but I think for me, this might be the series I'm looking 100%. forward to the most. I will say, I don't think the Knicks are going to be able to out tough the heat the way they did with the Cavs. Yeah, um, I, think, and I right. think that cuts for against sure. it. Great point. Okay. Let's move on to
1: our, our second Eastern conference matchup. We have the Celtics in the two spot against the Sixers in the three spot. What do you got, Jason? Let's start
0: with you. And I would be going Sixers all day if Joel was healthy. Um, I'm going to do an emotional hedge here, and probably like an objective hedge here, and say um, Celtics in. Six. What would you have gone if if indeed Celtics. were healthy? Sixers wow. and seven, I think. Sorry, Pat. What'd you say? Yeah,
1: I'm going to go Celtics. No, I'm going to go Celtics and six as well. I agree with Jason. I just think that the what the Celtics are good at is, um, you know what the Sixers struggle with so they have the guys to throw on you know Maxi, Harden I just don't I mean look this has been a theme basically the entire year this has been a theme for years I just don't believe in Harden's ability to do anything in the playoffs and if uh if Joel's not playing I think it's they're actually probably going to be more dependent on Maxi. and I think unfortunately you know they'll be able to put him in the The torture chamber with Marcus Smart, with Derek White, you could throw Jalen Brown at him. I mean, it's just, it's yeah, it's going to be brutal.
3: Yeah, I I really want to say Celtics in five. um, But out of respect for Joel, assuming he is able to play a couple of games, I'll, I'll also go Celtics in six. I think it could be a shorter series. I think it could even be a sweep. But we'll go with most likely six. That's assuming Joel comes back and is able to have one or two good games.
2: Wow, we're unanimous because I had Celtics in six as well, just for all the same reasons. Let's
0: not discount uh, the P.J. Tucker of it all here. We talked about how P.J. Tucker has weirdly coincided with these teams outplaying their expectations the last few years. He's not, I mean, you know, he's not peak P.J. Tucker, but he's still P.J. Tucker.
3: And 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 I mean, and they also have McDaniels, who's a really good defender. He's going to make it tough on, on Tatum and Brown, or Brown. Uh, and they have Tobias Harris, who is still a good third scorer for that team. Oh, yeah, he's on this, (laughs) he's on this, he's played well. I mean, he he gets his buckets, he's going to give you about 15 a series, but that's a reliable 15 you're going to get from a guy. Uh, and I I won't discount that the Celtics, especially with Embiid being hurt, I could see them just coming out a little like lackluster and like not having the fire until they're like, Oh, we actually need to do this, like they were with the Hawks. They just do that where they just get like lazy. Yeah. They know they're better, and so they're like, oh, "We're just gonna goof around and be stupid." It's exactly. I what also they do. think
0: Harden kind of plays his best when there's like the relaxed expectations, and I think with them being the underdog in this series, he actually uh, might ball out a little bit, especially because he's not asked to do as much for, or he's just asked to do different things for this Sixers team um, when Joel's on the floor. Part of my problem with Harden, though, is he doesn't look
1: right. Physically to me, like Zach brought this up earlier, his inability to get to the rim. And then when he gets to the rim, he doesn't finish at nearly the same clip as he was even a lot, even like two, three years ago. He botches these bunnies that he normally would, you know, would hit and potentially even get fouled uh, two, three years ago. So I'll be interested to see if he comes out with that sort of pep in his step like he did against Brooklyn in game one. If he does, then I think, to your point, Jay, this could be a little bit of a, a different series. But um, unfortunately, the combination of everything going on in Philly and then you've got Doc at the helm, I just don't I don't really believe in this team,
0: unfortunately. I will say, you know, this may not be as big of a coaching matchup as Doc normally faces in the playoffs. That's a great point. I think we're still learning about Joe Missoula. Okay, moving over to the Western
1: Conference... Uh, We have the Nuggets, the Denver Nuggets against the Phoenix Suns. Obviously, we're recording this on Sunday, April 30th. So the Nuggets uh, took game one, I would say, pretty handily. Jamal Murray is looking like uh, Bubble Murray again all of a sudden. Um, You got Jokic playing really well, I would say. My, My takeaways from the first round, and especially from last night, I walked away from that game going, Are we sleeping on the Nuggets a little bit? (laughs) We haven't really talked about them at all. I know they played. I know Zach was. They played dead a little bit at the end. They were playing possum at the end of the season. And I think that screwed up the way that I looked at them. But I think they may be the sort of like sleeping giant at this point. So I'm going to go. I'm actually going to go Denver. I'm going to go Denver in six in this series. I don't feel great about it because. Booker and Durant I think could go off mm-hmm. but I just think that the Nuggets have too much offensive firepower for the the Suns to be able to handle especially when there was a clip going around on Twitter last night of um, Aiden literally standing below the baseline while Jokic was kept trying like get the rebound put it up miss get the rebound put it up miss Aiden's just literally standing there while his teammates are battling <laughs> trying to get the rebound that's the under eight in the a, a nutshell. I don't believe in that, that guy. I don't believe he has a fire it takes to really go head to head with Jokic. So I'm going, uh, I'm going Denver in six.
0: I'll go. Uh, I'm going to go Denver in seven. Um, wow. Just because at, I, I think this, I think Monty uh, has a little, has some, you know, some tricks up his sleeve. I think Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, like I, I don't want to discount these guys Um but I, I, as I threw in the chat last night, um, they just have a math problem against the Nuggets, um, which is that they count by two from the mid-range, and Denver's going to be counted by three a lot. They Nuggets made more threes than the Suns attempted at one point in the game yesterday, and Jamal Murray himself had more makes than the Suns had as a team at one point, and it's just, it's just
2: too tough. Gonna zag. I got Phoenix in seven. Ooh-hoo. so I think yeah, Do tell. So I think that the the suns in terms of their chemistry it just takes them it's just it's it's showing that their chemistry is lacking right but also this is the playoffs and Kevin Durant is a champion like like on on this team and if there's any sort of accountability um on on the suns then you know I would hope, that Durant or whoever is going to light a fire under Aiden, because that's the thing with Aiden is that he, it, the, his motor has always been the question. And I think once he realizes, like, hey, wait a second, like we can win, we can win a championship, like we can go, then I think Aiden's going to wake up. Um, obviously, if Aiden comes out flat in the next game or the next and or you know the next two games or anything, then it's going to be really, 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 really tough. But I think Aiden's going to wake up. I think that the um, like Denver's defense is is good, but it's not it's not otherworldly. Like that that's a solvable defense for for Phoenix, and so I think I think Phoenix figures it out. I think it takes them a little bit. Denver's obviously still like incredible, which is why I think it's going to go seven. But I I'm going to say Phoenix and seven. Zach, what you got?
3: I think I'll also join you guys and go uh, Denver and six. I actually thought maybe even Denver and five. I've obviously been higher on Denver than you guys have. Uh, I, th- I thought that they just sort of just took it easy going down the stretch, but it wasn't an, in- an indication that they weren't as good as we thought they were. Uh, I still don't think of them as like a juggernaut, and it's really hard to dance to all the dance points. It's very hard to go against Kevin Durant and the Suns and the talent they have. But as I was watching game one, I think the talent disparity, obviously they have the two these two very high-level guys and the Nuggets only have one. But I think the next slate of guys, your Aaron Gordons and Michael Porters and Jamal Murrays, are as good or better than Aiton and CP. And even though both teams are really poor uh, in their depth, I think the Nuggets have better depth. I think the Nuggets have better defense, even though both teams aren't great defensively. Like I think KD might be the... I mean, CP can still kind of turn it on, and Aiton's okay. He's sort of an average defender. KD is really their only plus defender. Uh, And Torrey Craig, but he gives you so little on offense, how much will he play? Okogi's the same way. So I, I just trust what those guys can do like Jamal Murray's going to have games. By the way, when are we going to start calling it playoff Murray instead of bubble Murray?
1: Yeah, you were you're just bringing up like I I I know the Nuggets on paper only have one guy, right? But like Jamal has become that guy in the yeah, playoffs. Right. Like he
3: he's playing as if he made the All-Star yeah. team this year. And like I just like guy I, I like guys like KCP a lot. You know, these guys who are just good on both ends they he'll, he'll have a game where he'll hit four or five threes and he'll win the game for you. Aaron Gordon will have games where he's going to score like 20 and help you win a game. And he's going to play good defense. Michael Porter is going to have one game where he's the the leading scorer. And then Jokic is just going to make it all happen. Bruce Brown, like doing his back cuts and his fast break stuff. They just, they, they murdered him. Like the game was relatively close for most of the game until the end. But you could just see, like one team had this chemistry and this ability to play together that one team does not have. Uh, that being said, basketball is all about talent, and Kevin Durant's the best talent on the floor. Devin Booker is pretty, pretty darn close. So you never know, but I'll, I'll go Denver in six. I was going
0: to say we were naming all these Nuggets players and hadn't named KCP yet. I think it's arguable that the Nuggets have the better. CP in this series oh. that at this point Ooh. I think KCP is actually more valuable than Chris Paul. Um, You're right, and he's good. I think he and Gordon are good enough to really bother KD and yeah.
3: and Bruce um, Brown too. And Bruce girl. Brown has played against so. KD a lot and knows how he plays. But KCP he, totally, K, yeah, right. And KCP with him. is like in that Josh Hart mold. We've given flowers wow. to to Josh Hart, but I really love those guys who just. They are just really good at what they do. Their role, both ways, I, teams that have those guys and Bruce yeah. Brown is kind of fits that too to a degree. Of, I think KCP is a Hall of Fame role player.
0: Um, I think if he yeah, played his awesome. whole his whole career with uh, Jokic and or you know LeBron and AD, um, he could be in like some you know some like Derek Fisher categories. Like, uh, love him, love
1: him so much. Yeah, and he he like knows exactly what his role is he plays to his strengths he doesn't try to do anything outside of that he is the perfect role player for sure so this is going to be an awesome series super looking forward to the rest of it hopefully um phoenix comes out in game two and shows us a little bit more than they did in game one um okay so the last series obviously is a bit unique because one side of this series has not completely wrapped up yet but we've got the lakers on one side they're going to face either golden state or sacramento wanted to get your thoughts on what what you would, who you would choose in either of those series and in how many games, Jason? Let's kick it off with you since you're our resident Lakers fan.
0: I am going to go Lakers in six either series, either team. Um, I think the I think the matchup issues or like the problems that both of those teams present are actually pretty similar to the Lakers when it comes to the pace they play with, the way they shoot, the way they're going to present problems for like the point of attack defense. Um, I think they're. I think they're pretty similar. I think that the the when it comes to who I would choose to play, uh, I feel like I've gotten this question from like 10, pe- 10 different people this week. I would choose to play the Warriors just because I know that this Lakers team has played them well recently, and um, just the the way that crowd would go straight homicidal uh, in Sacramento. It's a great in, word in a Lakers series <laughs> is. Um, is a little intimidating to me but I think we win either way in six games. But I think it's going to be I mean I, both teams present problems for the Lakers, but the Lakers also have ways to solve them.
1: Man, I I got to be honest with you guys, I am terrified to put anything out in the universe when it comes to the Warriors. I'm I've convinced myself that I I know I texted this semi jokingly the other night but like part of me is like legitimately believes that Sacramento won game six because I didn't watch the fourth quarter (laughs) and that's when they blew the game open. So I'm terrified to say anything negative about the Warriors because they're going to turn around. (laughs) I'm a little stitches. I am definitely a little stitches. Um, they look gassed, man. I don't know if it's just me, but like, and, and maybe it's just them playing against the Kings. They look like they're running out of steam a little bit. Um, and it's not so much. I think Steph can turn it on whenever he's absolutely that guy. He will always be that guy. It's the guys on the fringes. Like, I think you're Kevon Looney's like he's been absolutely smashing on the boards. To me, that's going to that's got to run out at some point. Like when you're exerting that much energy every game and you're potentially playing more minutes than you did in the regular season. And that dude played, I think, every single game this season. So there's that. Um clay i think you know it depends on the game some games he has it some games he doesn't jordan Poole has looked pretty meh this entire series draymond turned it on in game five came out and didn't didn't do much in game six so again i i put this out in the universe i don't want to like i i would much rather use reverse psychology on them and say that they're going to win game seven because that's what i did in game six and it worked um but i just i mean the, the kings are like the energizer bunnies man they just get up and down the court they don't run out of energy ever they have so much youth so much speed on that team so anyway i'm really interested to see what happens in game 7 if golden state wins i would take the lakers in in probably 7 um that'll be interesting because la will not have i mean they're not going to have home court in either series but they would not have home court against golden state and obviously golden state's been um you know really good at home this season I think I may go Kings in seven if the Kings end up getting through. And again, part of that is that's not so much an indictment on the Lakers and the way they've played. To me, it's more about, I just think the Kings from a stamina injury standpoint. I mean, obviously, you know, you've got a couple of things going on with like Fox's finger and Sabonis' thumb has been an issue for most of the season. But to me, like the longer that series goes, the longer you leave that door open for like a LeBron to tweak his foot or for AD to have something happen. And if that were to happen, I just think that
3: the the series would potentially flip the other way. So those are my takes. Zach, where's your head at? What, I, re- what I really want to give the, the Warriors is just that Commodus from Gladiator thumb down to the dynasty. Let's, <laughs> let's end the dynasty. Let's get them out of there. If they lose, like, maybe Draymond oh, leaves. Please, like Please, please. Even if they are able to retool around Steph somehow and come back good, Like that's better than let's just end this thing. Let it, let it be done. It's not the same. It's not the uh, same. So, I mean, I already predicted the Kings would win game seven. I think they will. Um, for all the reasons you said that, you laid that out very well. Uh, I also think the Kings give the Lakers a little bit more trouble. Of course, the Warriors, they always have that, Experience and that ability to just go supernova and win a series uh, with their shooting, but I, I think unlike the hierarchy of like who I think is coming out of the series, it's it's Warriors are the lowest, Kings a little bit below the Lakers. Lakers like most likely to come out, so I'll go Lakers in seven because I think they have the talent to do it if they're able to just be engaged consistently like they were in games five and six. Then they have then they can win any series, basically. I think that they could go, could go to the finals and, uh, if they play that well. Uh, I don't trust that they necessarily will. And for all the reasons you laid out, the Kings could give them fits, especially with their shooting. Uh, but Anthony Davis being able to guard Sabonis and you know Austin Reeves, and, or even Vanderbilt being thrown on uh, uh, Darren Fox, I think they have a lot of answers to the things that the Kings do well, uh, except maybe their speed. And their ability to just fast break and launch threes. And if they just go crazy four out of seven games, they just need to be able to hit 40 something percent of their threes in the one series. So, but I'll, I'll, go, I'll go Lakers at seven. What
0: I need if the Kings win today is I need the NBA to announce to all NBA teams because Sabonis is, prob- is going to make it and AD almost Ooh. certainly won't. And just like slap that on the locker like seven games of engaged AD. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking that every time. Yeah, you think Sabonis has been in hell in this
1: Golden State series? Whew! That would be... I would feel bad for him. I would feel very bad for him. I just want to put this out into the universe. Um, I was thinking about this yesterday. I purposely did not tell you guys in the text thread. I was thinking about, like, dark horse places for Draymond to go. What if you went to Oklahoma City, man? Go to Oklahoma City. Play with, play with these young kids. Put that on me, Ricky Bobby. You know, like, there's a ton of talent there. <laughs> I would actually love it, man. I'm not going to lie. Like, oh bring that fire in the a locker great, room, play next to, shit, Shea, next to Shea, Giddy, yeah. Chet. Dude, he'd be so great. Oh, I so, hate, I I hate, know, hate even the star.
0: chefs. <laughs> chef's kiss. <laughs> it comes full, full circle. Chef's kiss to <laughs> that idea. I need you guys to have the same uh, moment uh, that I had when LeBron went to <laughs> where
2: the lectures. We're like, I love this guy. Oh, wait. I've never talked bad about him. He like, was great. It's the greatest.
1: Oh man, I love it! All right. Well, before we get to the Mud Pie Moment of the Week, I know Zach's not going to be on for probably a couple weeks, so we wanted to give Zach maybe like two minutes to give Zach your thoughts on the rest of the playoffs and how you how you see things uh, shaking out from here on out.
3: Um, so coming out of the East, I I have the the Celtics. I think the Celtics are going to beat whoever wins the the Heat Knicks series, but I think that that series, no matter what, what team comes out of it is going to be so fun. I think that both the Heat and the Knicks have the personnel to like really give Jalen and, and Jason Tatum hits, uh, fits. Gosh, mixing up all the words today. Really give them fits, and uh, so it could be a long series, which weakens the Celtics going into the finals. But I still think uh, the Celtics come out of the Eastern Conference against either the Knicks or against the Heat. And then I also think the Celtics are going to beat whoever comes out of the West. Almost doesn't matter who it is to me. Um, I just predicted the Nuggets and the Lakers. In Nuggets, Lakers series, I think, is probably the most fascinating potential series we could see. I know a lot of people, especially the NBA, probably wants to see Kevin Durant versus LeBron James, just like they want to see Steph versus LeBron James right now for the revenue and everything. But I think just the styles of play matchup between the Nuggets and the Lakers is so fascinating. I think that Anthony Davis is just the perfect person to, to slow down Jokic, stop him on the boards, keep him out of sort of out of the paint area. So he has to make all his passes from the high post, which he's still great at, but he isn't able to sort of get in the lane and then have all of that room to work. Um, So I think I'm going to say finals matchup, Maybe just because I want it so badly, Lakers Celtics, and then and then J- poor Jason, <laughs> poor Jason <laughs> having to watch his Lakers go down. I know <laughs> to the Celtics. That's my prediction. But I'll be back on before we get to the finals, so uh, you'll probably just miss my conference finals predictions. So well, I'll have plenty to talk about if if we get to those to that series or anything else. I respect your opinions
0: so much that Lakers Celtics anxiety watch just went from five to six. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you're saying.
1: I got a whole point.
3: point.
1: (laughs) 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 That's awesome. Well, on that note, it's time to end the pod with a juicy mud pie moment of the week. Jason, you're on mud pie
0: duty today. What you got? So um, let's play a little game called Can You Guess who I'm giving the mud pie of the week to. I'm going to list off just some some vague descriptions of this guy, and uh, we'll see if you guys know who it's going to be. This guy is a wing player on a uh, promising contender. Billy Brooks. Uh, He's not asked to do much. (laughs) Let me finish. He's not asked to do much. Just play defense, make some wide-open shots. He's been developing a villain persona for quite a while now, but he, uh, unlike real villains, like uh, Kobe, Michael, uh, LeBron for a little bit there, Garnett, he just doesn't have the game to back it up, uh, back up the villain persona. Uh, This guy starts on his team, but it's obvious his team has better options off the bench at his position, and basically everyone knows it. And now... Uh, as literally anyone paying attention could have guessed, uh, it's hit basically primarily his fault that his team was knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, let's, uh, who do you guys think it is? I already know. Do you think it's Dylan Brooks? <laughs> Are we wrong? Actually, actually, I'm giving Mud Pie the to Grayson Allen. Oh, look at that. <laughs> I knew that. you were setting it up as gorgeous. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. Grayson Allen, this dude just deprived us of the opportunity to at least watch the Bucs in a game six, potentially see the Bucs pull off a 3-1 comeback, and deprived us of Giannis having a chance at a a championship. This dude gets the ball uh, down one with what? Or down two? I, I don't remember if it was down one or two. Um, with a few seconds left, plenty of time to get a shot off. Yeah, I was down two. Yeah, down two with plenty of time to get a shot off, and this man decides with 0.5 seconds left to begin a euro step. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! I, it's, I mean, it's, it's unconscionable that he got the ball in that situation, um, but
3: at least throw the
0: ball yeah. at the rim. <laughs> He was like pretty like relatively open too
1: in Middleton. I think it was Middleton that hit him with the pass. Oh, wide open. On the 3. I mean, yeah. you had a yeah. game Gabe Vincent was closing out pretty quickly, but to your point, like at least Chuck ball. But he then he gets by up. Vincent. Yeah, you're
0: right, you're right. Then he gets by Vincent and he has a wide open floater. Like, dude, you're an you're a professional basketball player. Throw it at the rim. And if he shoots it with when if he shoots it when he touches it, there's a chance of offensive rebound too. Like, give me a break. Never, ever, ever trust a Duke Blue Devil. Never. In <laughs> goodness gracious. Um, goodness gracious. The final reason why I'm giving... <laughs> yeah, goodness gracious. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the final reason why I'm giving Grayson Allen Mud Pie of the Week is because Dylan Brooks is the thirstiest dude out here. And he would just love it to if we talked about him. But guess what? We did it. Sorry. We sorry. barely mentioned him this whole podcast. And that <laughs> is the final, the final insult to him because he wants to be talked about more than anything else, more than he even wants to win basketball games. So suck it, Dylan Brooks. You suck, Grayson Allen. <laughs> goodness Grayson. That's goodness done. Grayson. Hashtag goodness Grayson. Dude, that, that final
1: position was it's just incredible stuff. Man. Man. It was, it was <sighs> so bad. So, so bad. It was like, what are you shoot doing? Three, what are you man? doing?
3: Just shoot the three. Or, yeah. or step or step through time and time shoot out. a exactly. mid-range jump shot. Or, care, yeah. or the floater. There's so much he stuff had it he right had. there. Yeah. He, he would have
0: been wide open. Yeah, yeah. I'm not putting. It, I'm not putting this on Giannis. I'm not putting on I'm putting it on Grayson <laughs> Allen, who I hate. So fitting. So
1: fitting. All right. Well, uh, another fantastic episode in the books. We'll uh, we'll get at it next week. I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about. We may or may not have Zach with us, but uh, thanks for your time today, boys. We'll chat next week.
0: See you guys. Go Lakers. Let's go. Bye. Game seven.